you're listening to the Telltale channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. In this podcast, we're going to talk about Trump cultist Gene Bailey absolutely fawning over Donald Trump to his face. Kenneth Copeland's bizarre faith healing strategies like punching people or pushing them over in wheelchairs. Pastor Tony Spell's warped view of society. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to send an email instead, the email address is telltalemailbag at gmail.com. All this stuff will be in the description if you need to reference it later. If you guys didn't know, I have a Twitch channel, right? And I stream games while talking about pastors and crazy stuff. You know, like I've been going through Kent Hovind's seminar series lately on Twitch while playing like Mario Maker 2 or Final Fantasy 7 or something. Um, I've been editing and uploading the clips of it to my Telltale Unfiltered channel, but aside from that, there's this incentive I have for my Twitch viewers. If they reach 10,000 channel points, they can turn in those channel points, which you get channel points by like watching for a certain amount of time or something. I'm not sure what gets you channel points exactly, but you can turn in 10,000 channel points and play a two-player game on the Switch with me, like Smash Bros. or Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Personally, I prefer to play the two-player Super Nintendo games, Super Mario World, uh, Super Mario Bros. 3, anything. Basically, anything that I know how to play, something that I've been used to. We can get on Twitch and play it together. We'll connect on Discord I'll hook you into the call and, you know, we'll stream while we chat and play a Mario game or something. So if you guys want to do that, then come over to my Twitch. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. I'm Matthew from Colorado. I saw this post on Facebook saying a lot of you'll get a lot of money if you comment something. And it reminds me of chain mails. I'm wondering, why do people believe in these? like chain mails or things like that and not like they invest anything into it and not all of them are threatening even they'll even believe the ones that nothing happens if they don't do anything so why does he believe it i think that people believe it because they're generally superstitious if you look at base instincts or, or base ideas that aren't really affected by religion much you can see the kind of superstition peeking out for example, with chainmail letters, like outside of religion entirely, there's this weird belief that chainmail letters actually work. You know, there's this fear that they're going to get hurt or that they'll win money if they send this to 10 people or whatever else. It's all superstition. Here's another example. The belief in aliens. You ask people in the United States, do aliens exist? Do you think that there are aliens out there somewhere? A surprisingly high number of people will say, almost certainly. But how do aliens fit in with their theology? If they thought about it for three seconds, they'd realize aliens don't fit in with the theology at all. In fact, if we discovered aliens, it would contradict the idea that there is a God, right? What, do the aliens, are they going to have a copy of the Bible too? Of course not. You can see these little cracks in the armor that is the Christian belief system. And those cracks usually appear when certain subjects come up, like superstitious ideas or aliens or whatever else.
Hey, Owen, this is Freddie from Georgia. So, I was just wondering, I know we, um, that you talk about um, Caleb and Sophia a lot, but um, you don't really talk about Veggie Tales a lot, and that's what most evangelical kids, at least from the 90s, had to deal with. So I was just wondering how you felt on that. Um, love the show. Um, go luck. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I looked into VeggieTales because I didn't watch it. I wasn't allowed to when I was little. But I did look into VeggieTales to decide whether or not I was going to cover it. And I decided against covering it because it's not propaganda exactly. It's more just trying to communicate Bible stories more than anything. It's trying to generally tell Bible stories, right? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I've only seen like one episode of it, but it's, it didn't really seem like something that was like something that I could pull apart as propagandistic. It's a method of manipulating kids, absolutely, by engrossing them in the belief system deeper and deeper and deeper, but it doesn't use insidious propaganda techniques like twisting logical fallacies around to make their belief system more credible than others and things like that, you know? I mean, like I said, I've only seen one, so maybe I'm incorrect on that, but that was my impression of it when I saw it. There are, however, other kids' shows out there that are fully propagandistic that I could totally cover that I haven't yet. Uh, Mormonism has a version of Caleb and Sophia, I believe, that's, like, designed for kids. Isn't there one PragerU does? I don't remember the name of it now. Lily and something or other? That's pure propaganda. Could totally pull that one apart, uh, whatever the name of it was. But, yeah. Uh, Veggie Tales I probably won't cover because it's just Bible stories, but there are definitely some out there I could hit. Hey, Owen, this is Sarah. First of all, I love your channel. I just wanted to let you know that in about two to four years, I will be running for Congress in a very red district of Virginia. I am gearing up for a run now because I am sick of the Republican Party trying to turn this country into a theocracy, and I am tired of the fact that nothing is being done to solve the housing or student loan crises. Believe me when I tell you that I would be running right now if I was old enough to do so. Thank you for your time, and have a great day. Yeah, I appreciate that. I've been told that it is exceedingly difficult to run for office, and you can expect pretty much no help from, like, campaign managers. Like, there are programs out there who will sponsor you if you want to run for office. Different Democratic campaign offices, they'll work with you and they'll try to help you. I've been told that they offer almost no help. They really don't do much. I feel like we need to create some kind of system, some kind of a nonprofit or something like that that helps train people to run for office. But I really hope that you do. I hope that you run for office and figure out how to do all of this stuff. And if you actually do win, or, or even if you lose, I hope that you'll help others learn how that process went. Learn the pitfalls, figure out how to do it properly and not lose if at all possible. Good luck. Um, I hope things go okay. Hey, Owen. Um, recently, a bunch of people were on a plane singing for Jesus at 30,000 feet. Uh, you remember me. I'm the guy, don't ask, don't tell, uh, hunted like a dog for being gay. Would If I was on that plane, that would have caused me to go into a PTSD episode. Before I continue, let me just play that clip real quick since it was mentioned. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. 
Yeah, so these Christians were on a commercial flight singing right out in the open, obnoxiously interrupting people and everything else. That's what Lou's talking about. Would have caught, If I was on that plane, that would have caused me to go into a PTSD episode and then have months of therapy as a result. I'd like you to kind of, uh, honestly, I'd like you to dive into that subject and just, I mean, it's inconsiderate at best. It's just beyond me that um, through my whole life, uh, they they put me into this situation where I have literal brain damage and PTSD for Jesus. And then they still have the arrogance to go and, and force Jesus down people's throat, even after ruining my life for Jesus. Um, so, yeah, I'd like you to I'd like you to touch on that, buddy. Love you. Yeah, you know who could fix that for you? Jesus. That's how they view it. Seriously. It it, it goes beyond inconsiderate. It's it's grotesque. It's bordering on truly evil. Like how how absolutely obnoxious these people are willing to be and the lengths that these people will go to to rope people in. I, I, I don't know about this specific ministry, but in general, I've seen Christian ministries lie, twist information, twist facts, do anything they can to drag people in, to sucker them in. I mean, Jehovah's Witnesses do this a lot, specifically. Propagandize them, whatever it takes to get them in. Yeah, inconsiderate doesn't even touch it, honestly. Subject of this email is, are AA and NA high control groups? Hi Owen, longtime viewer and listener, love what you put out. You recently mentioned you have experience in the field of addiction recovery, so I was wondering, what do you think of Narcotics Anonymous and other 12-step programs? I have a friend working through 12 steps and I've noticed what looks like love bombing, unnecessary jargon, black and white thinking, and a whole lot of literature. Do you think these programs are high control groups? If so, how would we reckon that with how much they can help people? That's a really good question. They are high control groups, and a lot of people justify their status as high control groups by saying addicts need to be in high control situations. And to that, I would say, sure, yeah, I guess so. Some addicts may need to be in high control situations because they've been dealing with this problem that you know, it's been insurmountable their entire life, and now they're finally facing it head on. Maybe they do need to be in high control uh, groups um, or high control situations, but you don't need to shove God down their throat. And if you're going to be in a high control group, it should be based on science, period. I don't care what other excuses you have. If it's going to be a high control group, it should be based on science. NA and AA are not. That's my biggest issue. Use secular therapy. If you're going to go through a treatment program like I did, like I was trained to do, put people through these programs, uh, group therapy and all that other stuff, it needs to be secular or at least based on science. NA and AA are, were created in a church, created by a church body. And we're not based in reality. Like three of the 12 steps or something are about, you know, having a come to Jesus the moment, pretty much. Surrendering yourself to a higher power, telling your sins to God and one other person, blah, blah, blah. You don't need all of that. Talk to a therapist about it. Get secular therapy, not Narcotics Anonymous or Alcoholics Anonymous. They're destructive. 
Next email is from William. This is about the Jim Brewer video. Jim's a very funny, generally clean comedian. Anyway, he's directly contradicting himself when he bizarrely comments Lady Gaga joined a demonic club and demons are helping her while viewing her years-old meat costume that she wore strictly for shock value in media coverage, lol. Let me give you guys a little bit of context on this. Uh, I had a back and forth with Jim Brewer uh, forever ago. Well, not, not even that long ago, actually. Like a month ago or something, I had a back and forth with him. And the reason, one of the reasons that I criticized Jim Brewer in the first place was because he got on his podcast, Bruniverse, and was talking to his friend. I think they've been friends since high school or something. I don't know. Anyway, talking to his friend about Lady Gaga and all this other stuff. Listen to the clip. This is what Brewer said about Lady Gaga. I'm telling you people, when you see this, it's a very special club. You had to be indoctrinated to get that club. When you see black eyes, that's a club. You have to be indoctrinated by that club. It's pure QAnon conspiracy theories. There you go. That's the meat dress of Lady Gaga. Now, you ain't telling me she joined a special, creepy, demonic club. And... When these people are finally put in that category, the demons that are pulling their strings put them on the highest, highest ladder to become popular, to sway everyone in the wrong direction. So yeah, that's that's what this email is referring to. It, it was just Jim Brewer going down a QAnon rabbit hole, sadly. I'm, I'm sorry to say. I, I said this before in the video I did about him. I was a Jim Brewer fan for a long, long time. When I was a kid, I watched his stuff all the time. And the dude's just gone down a conspiracy theory rabbit hole, and it's just sad to see. Anyway, let's keep reading. Then he has the gall to say, I find it fascinating that people want to analyze me and categorize me. Yeah, he said that about me. He said I was analyzing and categorizing him in the video that I did about him. At the end of the day, you don't know what my intentions are, and yet people want to analyze them, and yet people want to analyze me and get angry. This is all in caps. Jim Brewer did exactly the same thing that he has a problem with others doing. He lies when he said Lady Gaga joined a demonic club. He then sarcastically tells us that we shouldn't comment on him because we don't know his intentions. I've noticed that his dialogue over the last year or so is more and more incoherent and sporadically defensive. He's going to ruin the respect he has from some of his fans. I like Jim, but he's getting weird. Yeah, getting weird is an understatement for sure. I agree. And like I said, the dude is really funny in some some ways. Like in sometimes he tells some jokes that are actually very funny, very on point, well-crafted, Funny jokes, really. But, um, you know, this QAnon stuff that he's going down here, it, it's just too much, dude. And it's my job to call this stuff out, so that's what I did. I know he didn't like that I did that, that I called him out for being a QAnon spreader at the very least, whether he believes it or not. I know he doesn't like that, but that's just what it is, man. I'm sorry. Next, we're going to talk about Trump cultist Gene Bailey absolutely fawning over Trump to his face. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com.
For those who might be unfamiliar, Flashpoint is a TV show on the Victory Network and has been pro-Trump since the very start. I've actually been covering the Flashpoint TV show or whatever for a long, long time. I don't think I've mentioned it by name, but a lot of the clips that I show have this little Flashpoint like logo in the bottom left corner and they have the Victory logo in the top right corner like a ton of clips that i talk about so i wanted to kind of go through flashpoint a little bit and the host of flashpoint the flashpoint show which is gene bailey this dude here on the left and talk about some of the weird things that they believe and some of the weird stuff that they've done recently because they've drawn my attention. If you don't know what the Victory Network is, the Victory Network is like a religious programming network, kind of like Christian Broadcasting Network. In fact, I could be wrong, so don't quote me here, but I believe the Victory Network split off from CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network. The Victory Network itself actually hosted Kenneth Copeland's show for a long time. This is Kenneth Copeland's Wikipedia page. There's a section on the Victory channel under his Wikipedia page. It says, In 2015, KCM launched the Believer's Voice of Victory Network on Channel 265 on DISH. Believer's Voice of Victory Network was renamed Victory Channel in 2019 and is available over the air and on some cable providers. On October 2nd, 2020, the Believer's Voice of Victory, BVOV, stopped broadcasting on the Trinity Broadcasting Network, TBN. At the start of 2022, it was added on several national cable systems under a new channel lease with Olympusat, which had previously offered Hillsong Channel, the Living Faith Network, and then the Bulldog Shopping Network on the channel space. So anyway, that's what Victory Channel is, and Flashpoint is like a show on the Victory Network. So Flashpoint is this ultra-conservative TV show or, or whatever on this giga Christian TV network, pretty much. So let's read their description. Watch Flashpoint to discover how prophecy and current events are aligning to usher the greatest awakening the world has ever known. Host Gene Bailey, which is this guy right here on the left, if you're watching and not listening. Host Gene Bailey, along with regular contributors Mario Murillo, Hank Kuneman, and Lance Walnaw, which we'll be talking about all three of those guys tonight, are joined by special guests that include prominent prophetic voices in the church today, as well as political, governmental, business, and church leaders. Flashpoint focuses on pertinent issues currently facing America and delivers news and commentary under the anointing encouraging evidence and hope that God is indeed working to bring about his plans and purposes during these turbulent times. Join us every Tuesday and Thursday at 8. Wow. So they believe themselves to have an anointing, I guess, or at least the people on the show that they bring on claim to have an anointing. I remember specifically Hank Kuneman telling us he has an anointing from God, and that's how he knows all of this stuff, like Donald Trump's going to win the 2020 election, for example. I don't pray for him as a president. I don't call him president. I don't even acknowledge him as president-elect because he wasn't elected. He stole it. He's a treasonous thief. I'm going to hear it, and I'm going to see it that would rise up against me. Why? Because I'm anointed. So anyway, I'll tell you what, why don't we watch this clip from Flashpoint? Uh, again, this is Gene Bailey, and he had Trump on late September 2021. Listen to what Trump had to say to Gene Bailey on Flashpoint. There are between 90 and 100 million evangelicals in America. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I actually know 
the number. Let me listen to that one more time and fact check this. There are between 90 and 100 million evangelicals in America. Actually, estimates put it at around 70 to 80 million, not 90 to 100. But I guess, you know, it's within an order of magnitude. So I, I suppose we aren't going to split hairs. It's just the Catholic religion in the United States and the evangelical movement are kind of at odds with each other, battling for who's going to be bigger, basically. Last I checked, I think Catholics were slightly smaller. I'm not sure who's winning at this moment. Probably evangelicals, because that movement seems to be growing at the moment. And as you know, our Flashpoint audience is highly motivated part of that group. What's your message to them? How should they stay engaged with you and the nation during this tumultuous time? So remember, this is September 2021. So Trump had been out of office for nine months at this point, roughly. So nobody has done more for Christianity or for evangelicals or for religion itself. Donald Trump seems to believe that nobody has done more for what? Or for religion itself. For religion itself. That is a tall claim for more for Christianity or religion itself. Well, I'm just going to toss this one out there. Um, did you consider Jesus? I mean, I, did, do you think Jesus did more for Christianity or religion itself than you? Or do you beat Jesus on that front? Or for religion itself. That is absolutely batty, dude. Absolutely batty. It gets battier. We're on Flashpoint. The batty meter has no limits. Check this one out. Late April 2022. This one just came out. Flashpoint held an event at Oral Roberts University, and they had a few big names there. The people who are usually associated with Flashpoint, you can see them in the background here if you're watching. We've got Lance Walnaw on the left, Hank Kuneman, and we got Mario Murillo. Okay, now I've talked about Mario Murillo before, maybe once, maybe twice, I'm not sure. We're going to be talking about him tonight because he is actually very relevant and important, and I feel like we need to talk about him and what he's all about. But let's watch this clip, late April 2022, and uh, see what they're all about here. There is an agenda that's not Democrat versus Republican. The agenda that's in our nation right now is good versus evil. I just want to point out, this is classic black and white, us versus them, good versus evil thinking right here. Um, I've heard this exact line from a lot of people, not just from Gene Bailey, but Michael Flynn has said this, uh, Johnny Enloe said this, a bunch of people. This is something that they keep repeating. Mark Burns, I think, said it too. A lot of famous pastors are saying that this is a war between good and evil, and they're effectively dehumanizing their enemies or who they view to be their enemy, which is anybody to the left of taking out the homeless for sport. Let's keep listening to uh, Gene Bailey here. The agenda that's in our nation right now is good versus evil. And I'm not calling any party evil, although you can figure out probably where I'm coming from. Why beat around the bush if you're just going to come out and say it, basically? I don't get the point. Why even frame it up like that? It's just weird. But in this good versus evil environment that we live, it's going to take some stick to -itiveness. Is that a word? We got to be, we got to be apart. We got to stick together and we got to be in there for the long haul. Now, what happened with Flashpoint? This program was only supposed to go to November 3rd and then we were going to stop it. I don't remember that being in the programming. Says who? I mean, I, I get that he's the host, but I hadn't heard anything about that. Why would they run it 
only until November 3rd. If it's a moneymaker, then why would they end it there? It's just kind of a weird thing to say, I guess. We're still waiting on the election to be corrected. You're going to be waiting a long time, buddy, because there really wasn't anything wrong with the election from the start. And we're not going anywhere. <laughs> so that election was rigged? No, it wasn't. I just want to set that straight. Donald Trump specifically told his voters to vote twice. You guys remember this one? Donald Trump in North Carolina. 600,000 people could vote by absentee in this state. Are you, are you confident in that system? Well, they'll go out and they'll vote and they're going to have to go and check their vote by going to the poll and voting that way because... He just told his voters to send in an absentee ballot and also show up to the polls and vote. That's illegal, by the way. That is against the law. Uh, if it, if it uh, tabulates, then they won't be able to do that. So let them send it in and let them go vote. And if their system's as good as they say it is, then obviously they won't be able to vote. If it isn't tabulated, they'll be able to vote. So that's the way it is. So who was cheating in the election again? They want to lean into this thing that Democrats cheated, blah, blah, blah. Nonsense. Democrats did not cheat. But we can't forget the fact that Donald Trump absolutely did try to cheat in the election and still lost. I just want to put that on record so we're all well aware. Let's keep listening. It was stolen. No. But I got news for you, and I got news for you watching on television. There's thousands of people in this room that says, we're taking our nation back. These people are absolutely unhinged. This crowd is made up of full-blown extremists. So a minute ago, I mentioned Hank Kuhneman, Lance Walnut, and Mario Murillo, right? These are them on stage right here, as I said earlier. I wanted to just kind of take a quick look at what each of these three people believe and who they are and things like that, because as the Flashpoint website says here, host Gene Bailey, along with regular contributors, Mario Murillo, Hank Kuhneman, and Lance Walna, are joined by special guests that include blah, blah, blah. So I wanted to look at these people, these specific three people, because they're on there a lot. They tend to have a lot of far-right extremist pastors on like dutch sheets i don't know if you guys are aware of who dutch sheets is he's way out there i know of three situations personally of people that were raised from the dead by a doctor during covid one of those people raised went into the room after the person died with covid one of those people the death certificate had already been signed and this person was raised from the dead now they can't talk about this because they could get in trouble believe it or not for doing this and for, you know, talking about it. But I'm just saying this is beginning to happen and we're just getting started. And he's an incredibly influential televangelist or megachurch pastor. I think they've had Greg Locke on too. I, I could be incorrect on that, but they get all kinds of people on Flashpoint. So this is something that we need to be talking about. So let's take a look at Hank Kuhneman, one of his clips that he released here at Oral Roberts University in April, just this recent thing that he just went out and did. Let's watch what Hank Kuhneman had to say at this Oral Roberts event. Late April 2022. This is, I believe this is at the Flashpoint event. You know, they're talking about uh, Biden's poll numbers. What they really need to be talking about is cell um, numbers, not phone, prison cell numbers. These guys have committed 
a crime. Okay, if they committed a crime, then tell us exactly what it is and give us evidence because Trump ate himself alive trying to sue everybody he could possibly think of and putting forward all of these conspiracies and everything. I mean, I remember when this was happening with the election and everything. I remember Trump taking all of these cases to the courts and sending them through and the courts just rejecting, rejecting, rejecting because, they, you know, it was built on sand. There was no reason for him to submit these cases in the first place. He didn't even have standing in some of these cases. Like the most basic things that you need to file a lawsuit in the first place, he didn't have. There's no evidence to support any of the claims that he brought to the courts. So the courts threw it out, naturally. If you actually have evidence that there was a crime committed or that there was fraud or whatever else, give it to us. I've been waiting. I want it. I want to see it. If you're right, I want to be right too. Give me the evidence and I'll examine it. That's all you've got to do to convince me that Trump should be president. Give me the evidence. That is it. And claiming that the evidence was covered up or something like that, it's not good enough for me. You've got to give me evidence or I'm not going to believe it. Simple as that. If there's no evidence, then you have no reason to believe it. They have committed treason against the United States of America. Okay, treason is a tall claim. Treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. That didn't happen in any way, by any stretch of the imagination, that, that didn't happen at all. There is an argument to be made that Donald Trump may have committed treason by basically aiding the insurrectionists because the Confederacy is an enemy nation, but uh, I, I feel like that's a little bit of a stretch. Sedition is conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority of a state or monarch. Donald Trump, on the other hand, did, in fact, commit sedition. I don't know that sedition is listed as a crime. Uh, I don't know if he fits the legal definition of a seditionist or what, but the word you were looking for in the first place was sedition. I just want to set that straight. This Constitution! They did not care about you, your pocketbook, or your children! What does that mean? I don't understand. They, they didn't. I, I assume he's saying me. I didn't care about Trump supporters or Trump supporters pocketbooks or Trump supporters children. Uh, I care about them in the same way I care about any human life. I don't wish death on anybody. I hope they're OK. I'm not sure what you're getting at here. No, I don't care about their kids. agenda to bring you down in this nation but i'm here to tell you that they are standing against something greater than all of us it is almighty god who loves the united states of america and he loves his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it Okay, awesome. So I guess God is upset and we're going against God or whatever. Okay, God can just snap his fingers and end all of this, right? Show us that he's on your side. Simple as that. All it would take is a, a simple miracle. That's all I need to see, and I'm suddenly a believer. Why is it that you are struggling so hard? How is it that Biden somehow comes in and reverses prophecy? Is Biden more powerful than God? It is mind-blowing how these people hold contradictory views. God is 
simultaneously the most powerful in the entire universe and also apparently weaker than the Democrats? This doesn't make any sense. Pull it together. Give us a cohesive explanation of what happened and why you were wrong. You know, there's this pastor named Gino Jennings. He's an evangelical, but he's kind of outside of this. He's an extremist in his own right, and he hates the LGBT community and all of the standard stuff, just like every other evangelical out there. But he, do he didn't buy into this prophecy, this Trump prophecy. That's the main difference. And when the Trump prophecy fell flat, when these people prophesied that Donald Trump was going to win the election, and he didn't, Geno Jennings came out and shredded them for that. He's like, that's not in the Bible. None of this is in the Bible. You made all of this stuff up, and we know you made it up because it didn't come to pass. But he did have one thing that I found particularly interesting. He said one thing that I was really interested in, and that was, uh, oh, he said, I don't focus on who becomes president. I don't care who becomes president. I know whoever wins, God wanted them there to fulfill their role in prophecy, whether it be righteous or unrighteous. Their own they heart. done it by the deceit of their own of heart. Own heart. Of they wanted heart. Trump to be president so bad that they was willing to lie. That's right. I don't care who come president. I don't focus on who become president. Because I know when the voting is done, whoever get in, God want them there. That's right. To fulfill their role in prophecy. That's right. Be it righteous or unrighteous. That's right. Democrat or Republican. Amen. Or liberal. Amen. If Biden won, do you think it's possible? I mean, I'm just putting on my Christian hat for a moment. Is it possible God wanted Biden in the White House? I mean, the other explanation is that God is weaker than Biden and Biden overturned God's will. Which one is more logical to you from a Christian perspective, that Biden is more powerful than God or that God put Biden in intentionally? Looking at things from their perspective, even, they're not thinking critically. So I said we were going to look at each of the three people that were on stage, right? Hank Kuhneman. Lance Walna and Mario Murillo. So let's take a look at Mario Murillo next. I think it's been about a year since I've talked about Murillo, but again, he is incredibly influential and I should really be covering him more often than I do. I think I have a video about him on my main channel. Anyway, let's give this one a listen and see what he had to say. Listen to this. People accuse me of telling you to leave the Democratic Party. You need to wake up. The Democratic Party is asking you to leave forcefully they took the flag out of their convention they took no they didn't that was propaganda that floated around for a while at the time the democratic party did not remove the flag from the convention absolute nonsense they took god out of the pledge once again not true just keep pushing all this nonsense on your audience. They didn't take God out of the pledge, although I would have loved it if they had. You know, I always sat here and I wondered to myself, like, I I'm always hearing about, you know, these evil communists trying to take over America and all this stuff. I'm not a communist. I'm a social democrat. I want to see social welfare programs expanded. I want to see a better... I want to see Medicare for all. I want to see better social security, things like that. Regulated capitalism, heavily regulated. I'm not a socialist, but I always sat here and wondered, what would it be like if I were a capitalist? I'm sorry, if I were a, a communist 
sitting here listening to them claim that communism is sweeping across the nation and we're losing the country to communists and Bernie Sanders is a communist and all this other nonsense. I wondered what it would be like if I were actually a communist hoping for these policies to go through and listening to them claim that they were going through. Well, here we go, man. I'm an atheist and I'm sitting here listening to him use talking points like atheism is sweeping through America and just completely ignoring the facts of the situation. It's not. This is him weaponizing my worldview against me and everybody else. It's truly sad. The Democratic Party is asking you to leave forcefully. They took the flag out of their convention. They took God out of the pledge. They've made it eminently clear that they are the party of not Christianity. There is no question that all of you watching are faced with the ultimate choice. I'm not sure what he means by they've made it eminently clear that they are the party of not Christianity. I don't think that they've taken any position on Christianity, really. I mean, they're pretty much every leader in the Senate, the House, and the executive and judicial branches are all Christians. Every leader in the country is a Christian, just about. This is from Pew Research Center, Faith on the Hill, the Religious Composition of the 117th Congress. In new Congress, nearly 9 in 10 describe themselves as Christian. Of course, you can't win an election without coming out as Christian, uh, practically. I honestly have no idea how Ilhan Omar won her election, and we're going to be talking about her later on. It looks like by percent of Congress, or number of people in Congress identify as Christian, 468. There are 538 total, I believe. So 468 identify as Christian. 33 identify as Jewish. Two as Buddhist. I'm actually surprised. Three is Muslim. Again, very surprised by that. Two is Hindu. Three are Unitarian Universalist. That's a nearly atheistic religion, I believe. Uh, one is unaffiliated. One is other. And 18 don't know slash refused. You can't be openly atheist. And, and hold any kind of power in the United States, practically. I mean, in some states, it's actually banned. Atheists can't run for office in those states. Now, that wouldn't hold up if an atheist actually wanted to run for office in those states. There's nothing they could do to stop them legally. Like, they would have to, they'd take it to the Supreme Court and they would win. The atheist would win. Because you can't, you can't do that. But the culture is such that atheists cannot win elections in the United States right now. So I honestly don't even know what he's talking about. Faced with the ultimate choice. Do I vote for evil or do I accept God's rescue? Once again, this good versus evil dichotomy. Um, if you aren't voting for the person that I want you to vote for, then you are voting for Satan, the devil himself. You know, when Jesus came to, toward Jerusalem, it's the most ironic scene, Sid, because the masses are hailing him as the Messiah. They're putting the palm leaves down, and as he gets closer, the adulation is having no effect on him because he begins to cry. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you in, but you would not. They were literally ignoring their own rescue from God. They didn't realize when God had come to save them. Trump is a rough cure 
Wow, dude, is this a comparison between Trump and Jesus? Another? I I keep hearing these, dude, really. How many pastors have I listened to in the past few weeks who continue to compare Trump to Jesus? It is weird. Trump is a rough cure because we lost our right for a soft cure. Our sin did that. Now we have a man who's a wrecking ball, but he's in God's hands. And you need to understand, by voting for Trump, you are stopping a flood of evil in our nation. He's trying to frame this in a religious way. He's trying to frame this up like it's a religious issue that you need to do this. You need to vote for Trump or you're going against God. I think this may have actually, this clip may have been before the election. Um, seems like it based on context. I don't exactly know when the clip came out, but anyways, that's Mario Murillo. That's the point. He goes on to make all kinds of comparisons between Joe Biden and Hitler and all, all this other stuff. So what about Lance Walnut? He was the last of the three. This is Lance Walnut, once again, on Flashpoint. I didn't even realize this clip was from the Flashpoint TV show before. But this is Lance Walnut on Flashpoint explaining Seven Mountains Dominionism to the audience. Listen to this. This is early March 2022, fairly recent. 3% of the population, roughly 3 to 4% of the population, are radical leftist elites. 30% of the population are evangelical born-again Christians that are inclined to go towards Pentecostal language. I mean, we're really out there. 30% against 3%, but they neutralize the church. Now, this is the important part. What he's talking about is Seven Mountains mandate seven mountains dominionism it's a brand of evangelicalism that intends to take over the united states and the the way that they're going to do that as he's about to explain is by putting evangelical leaders in positions of power in these seven different areas of culture basically the first one is religion you want to get evangelical pastors at the very top of every influential church. They don't want any moderate churches, basically. They want to get their evangelical people to the top of those. Church, because they're also in religion. They changed the definition of marriage, so they've taken over family. They've totally taken over academia, so the education institutions are teaching leftist theology or leftist ideology and silencing uh, conservatives. They're controlling government right now. They've taken over legacy media, Hollywood, entertainment, and, uh, and arts, and uh, now they've got Wall Street. This is 3%. So economy, the government, the education system, religion, all of these other things, they need to get their evangelical people at the top of these areas of society. They want to get them into leadership positions so that they can basically affect the culture of the United States and turn it into an evangelical hellscape, pretty much. If you are a Christian, you do not want to live in the world that Lance Walnaw has in mind for you. Yes, he's a Christian too. Believe me, you don't want that brand of Christianity ruling over your life. Trust me on that. He said that liberals have affected the church and he wants to get his evangelical extremists in to take over those churches and make them more extreme. If you're a Christian, you do not want him involved. Keep listening. 3%, 30% of the, of the population is Christian. 
How is it that 30% are dominated by 3%? They have a worldview for bringing their kingdom here now. We're told to pray thy kingdom come, but we put it off to the second coming. We put it off. They are organized, and we are not. That is completely incorrect. We're just people doing our thing, trying to continue on and live our lives. This group right here, this extremist group, is very organized to a disturbing degree, and they're doing everything they can to push their way into these positions of power. So God says, I'm going to send you a revival, and we're praying for revival. And as we pray for revival, we think... Oh, look at that. That's Mario Morello and Gene Bailey right there on the left, too. Interesting. I didn't realize that those two guys were on here with Lance Wilna. Let's keep listening. I think that's who that is. Revival. And we're praying for revival. And as we pray for revival, we think, well, watch what happens. That 30 will become 50%. It doesn't matter because the guards in the prison control what goes on with the inmates, you could have 75%. And if they control those high places, you still are in suppression because that's the story of history. We want souls and we want nations. Jesus was promised nations for his inheritance, not just churches. We want souls and we want nations. Jesus was promised nations for his inheritance. Wow, that's unhinged stuff, dude. So anyway, that's Lance Walna, that's Mario Murillo, and that's Hank Kuneman. Unfortunately, I think the entire right-wing movement has aligned behind Trump, or pretty much the entire right-wing movement. If you are on the right, you are more radicalized today than you were two years ago. And two years ago, you were more radicalized than you were four years ago. It's moving in a more polarized and radical direction. If you aren't a radical that stands behind Trump at this point, then you're not on the right. I mean, that's that's how they view it. It's an us versus them mentality. That's how they view it. And that's how that that's kind of what it's become at this point. Unfortunately, there used to be a time when I could talk to people and work with them when they were on the right. No longer. They won't talk to me. They won't work with me. My brother was a right winger, but he wasn't far right. I feel that now he is, unfortunately. Like your crazy uncle that, that you see every year at Thanksgiving or whatever, it's like he took the entire family into a back room and brainwashed them into believing his crazy conspiracy theories. Half of them believed it, half of them didn't. And now he says, if you don't believe what I say, then we're not going to eat dinner with you anymore. Like, it's going completely off the rails. If what I just showed you didn't convince you of that, then watch this one. Once again, Gene Bailey on Flashpoint. This is at Oral Roberts University. Check this out. Late April 2022. We invited President Donald J. Trump to come join us tonight. He couldn't do that. But I guarantee you he's going to see this video if he's not watching live. So, Dale, if you're taking a camera shot, I want you to tell President Trump what you think of him right now.
if it isn't clear already, these people have made their entire identity about loving Donald Trump. Their entire identity is about this. The difference between people on the outside of this cult and these people, or the fundamental difference, the one that's going to make or break politics in the United States, is the fact that these people will crawl over broken glass to vote for their guy. They will crawl over broken glass to vote for him. We have to show that same level of enthusiasm, whether we like the guy or not, that we're voting for. We have to get out there and vote. We must. Because if we don't, we, you can bet these people who are chanting USA and throwing their hands in the air like they just don't care because Donald Trump is going to see this clip, they're going to be at the ballot box voting for their guy. We need to vote like our lives depend on it because there really are some people out there whose lives truly do depend on us voting. Next, we're going to talk about Kenneth Copeland's bizarre faith healing strategies, like punching people or pushing them over in wheelchairs. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Kenneth Copeland has done some wacky stuff when it comes to faith healing, but it just got wackier. I want to talk about some of his new strategies that he's covered recently, and then we're going to be talking about another pastor's strategy for teaching about Jesus, a guy named Michael Todd. We'll get to Michael Todd in a little bit and his the things that he did that were kind of questionable back in January. We'll get to that in a minute. For now, let's watch this Kenneth Copeland clip. He's sitting here talking to a guy named Greg Stevens, I think. Yeah, guy's name is Greg Stevens. So he's sitting here talking to Greg Stevens. This is mid-April 2022. Listen to what Kenneth Copeland has to say here. I was in a, almost the same situation one time, another man's church. There was a man in the prayer line, <laughs> and the Lord said, you see that man right there? I said, yes. He said, I want you to hit him in the stomach just as hard as you can. <laughs> I said, I don't believe I want to do that. Well, he didn't take that. I'm not convinced that Kenneth Copeland wasn't looking for an excuse to hit somebody in the stomach at the moment. That's not good. Well, he didn't take that. Then the closer he got, the closer I got. And he said, I want you to hit him in the stomach just as hard as you can. So when he got up there in front of me, I mean, I just unloaded on him. And man, it knocked him backwards and come on and he went, my God, he said, I'm healed. <laughs> Are you kidding me, dude? Emily Sigmund, honestly, I think these pastors get a little kick out of being so disrespectful to these people he's claiming to heal and pretending it's a good thing. Yeah, I think you're right. They probably do get a kick out of it. Like, they know that they can hit and abuse these people and there's nothing that they're gonna do about it. No one's gonna do anything. They get to do this for free, free of consequences, because it's a religious observance or whatever, you know? It, it's really messed up stuff. Here's the thing about God and the Bible and these faith healers and these pastors, you know, megachurch pastors and stuff, televangelists. Here's the thing about them. There is 
nothing in the Bible, no moral stand that you can find that isn't reversed or contradicted somewhere in there. Okay, for let me give you a good example. The verse about, you know, hating people from the LGBT community, that's reversed when Jesus says to love everybody as your neighbor and don't judge lest ye be judged and all that other stuff. These moral imperatives are reversed in the book. As a televangelist, you aren't a reflection of the Bible's morals. The Bible is reflecting your morals. And in the same vein, it seems to me that Kenneth Copeland telling us that God wanted him to punch this guy in the stomach, that kind of tells me a little bit about what Kenneth Copeland wanted to do more than anything. It seems pretty obvious to me. I mean, it's speculation, of course, but God isn't talking to Kenneth Copeland. This thought popped in his head and he acted on it. He wanted to punch this guy in the stomach, seems to me. <laughs> Praise God. My God, he said I'm healed. Amen. And come to find out he had all kinds of stomach problems, ulcers, everything you could think of. And he walked away healed. Mm. I did not want to do that. No, I understand. I bet. Totally. I understand. Yeah, definitely. You totally didn't. You were sacrificing for him, right, Kenneth? That's not the only weird thing that Kenneth Copeland is described doing. Now, we don't have video of that. I wish we did. But we've got some video of some other really weird stuff that Kenneth Copeland has done while faith healing. Check this one out. This is mid-August 2021, not that long ago. Kenneth Copeland is holding a faith healing revival of some sort. I don't even know what he was doing. And then this happened. Watch. Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Yeah. Comes up to a guy in a wheelchair. The guy is, you know, overtaken with this whole thing. He's like, oh, my God, Kenneth Copeland is here. This is crazy. Copeland is like giga famous, of course, and he's like nearly a billionaire. I think he's about to pass the threshold for being a billionaire. That's him going through you right now. No, that's the fact that there's a billionaire standing in front of him with a camera crew and everything. I would be nervous too. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay, so this guy in a wheelchair is hoping to get healed by Kenneth Copeland. Keep watching. Glory to God, you're not bound to this chair. The day will come, you'll walk out of it. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is truly hard to watch, but I'm sorry, guys. We have to. We have to watch it. Thank you, Lord. 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 Now then, you guys, just help him up. Dude, imagine if this guy had serious back problems. Like when I was a kid, my dad had really bad back problems, like degenerative disc disease or something like that. He had a bunch of crushed discs and stuff. Imagine if that's what was wrong with this guy and Kenneth Copeland just put his hand on his head and pushed. Oh my God, dude. The cringe meter is over 9,000. Help him up. Power of God's all over him. He's not hurt. He's not hurt. Praise the God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord God. Praise the Lord God. God, that is cringy. That is so hard to watch. So needless to say, Kenneth Copeland has some really weird faith healing strategies, and um, they involve hitting people and pushing them over and stuff. Unfortunately, it gets weirder.
Greg Stevens here. His, you remember the guy he was talking to a minute ago? I guess he wanted to one-up Copeland, so he had an even crazier story than Kenneth Copeland punching the guy in the stomach. So he lays out this whole scenario for us about this even crazier situation. Honestly, it doesn't get crazier than pushing a guy in a wheelchair over, but, you know, he tried to beat even that. So let's listen to what Greg Stevens had to say that beats even that. I had that happen to me one time. I heard the Lord tell me to do something with a ministry line in a man's church. It's not my church. It was another guy I'm preaching for him, his church. And I heard the Lord say, uh, I'll heal people with eye problems right now. And so I called that out and I don't know, a few people came down there, this one little bitty lady. And I, as I was going down to pray for people, all of a sudden I heard in my spirit, spit in her eyes. I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it. I'm not, they'll run me out of here. And I told everybody, close your head, bow your head, close your eyes, nobody looking around in this place. And I spit in my hands and laid them on her eyes. She screamed a scream. I would. Oh my God, dude. And came up, I didn't know she was blind in an eye. Came up seeing in that eye. Praise God. I bet, I bet, totally. Isn't it fascinating they never offer evidence for any of the healings that they perform. If they're really capable of doing this stuff, why aren't they at hospitals 24 seven healing people, seriously? It seems like it's immoral that they're on this program talking right now instead of healing people at hospitals. All you need to do is pray over an amputee, have them regrow the limb right then and there, right in front of me, and I am instantly a believer just like that. That is what it would take. And according to them, that's something they can do, right? I mean, they should be able to. They've got God's backing. Do it. Hang on. Actually, speaking of amputees, give me a second. This is a, a, an ad running on YouTube channels. I'm not sure if it was running on mine or somebody else's or what, but I came across this the other day on YouTube. This I, mega church pastor, I guess. Dude's name is Mel Bond, and he had a, a message that would honestly convince me if he could actually prove it. Of course he can't, but listen to this, Mel Bond. This is, like I said, I think this dude is advertising. This is, this is an ad that was running on YouTube channels. If you know of somebody that's blind, they're deaf, they're crippled, they have an incurable condition, or maybe they're missing an arm or a leg or a bodily part, I want you to encourage them. Please encourage them to come to our miracle services. They take place the first Saturday of each month at 6 p.m., and then they continue that Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Well, like I said, this seems like kind of old and out of date or whatever, but this is like brand new. This was running on YouTube channels recently. Love the bolo tie though, right? That is a good fashion choice from this guy that claims to be able to heal amputees. Faith healing is the one of the lowest things that you can do to somebody, in my opinion. Convincing them that you can heal this ailment that they have, regrow limbs, give them their sight back or their hearing or whatever. It's, it's pure charlatanry. Is that a word? Pure charlatanry. And they, they seem to be reveling in this. Well, since we mentioned, uh, you know, helping people see again and spitting in people's eyes, there's this pastor named Michael Todd. He's really, really big on TikTok. Really famous TikTok pastor. I don't know. He's got millions of uh, subbies on there, I think. He decided that he was going to do this illustration for his audience 
where he actually does spit in someone's face. I, I don't know why he thought it was a good idea to try to show them that this is what Jesus did. Who knows? I don't know. But he actually did it. So before we watch this, I, I'm going to tell you, I did blur it out. I didn't leave it for you guys to see so you don't have to worry about looking away or anything. I actually have this effect in Final Cut Pro that I use where I drop a blur effect on it. I dropped like five blur effects over and over. I kept blurring it more and more because I just didn't want to see anything at all. So I think you're pretty safe. Uh, let's watch this. This is Michael Todd, late January 2022, spitting in someone's face in front of his church. Changing something and you don't see it clearly yet. But you hit... <laughs> Just the noise, I'm sorry, just the noise alone is bad, and I, I'm sorry for that, but there isn't really any more noise like that. That's the worst it gets. So I blurred it. Let's keep listening. And this is where most people would not face Jesus anymore. What most people would do is turn away. What I'm telling you it's just as he's physically standing here, knowing what's coming. God's saying, can you physically and spiritually and emotionally be able to stand when getting the vision or receiving it might get nasty? I'm going to say it in a point just like that. Receiving vision from God might get nasty. You mean... God, I just bought, in crazy faith, I just bought my dream car. And now you're going to ask me to sell it back and ride in the hoopty again? Yeah, because the vision I'm about to give you. Okay, I blurred it again so you guys don't have to see this. This is like five levels of blur effects. <laughs> like, it's just a big white blob at this point. You can't see anything. It might get nasty. But I left the sound in because I wanted you guys to hear how the audience reacted to it. And do you, do you hear and see the responses of the people? Yeah, that's something else, dude. Oh, my God. That is absolutely something. What was he thinking? What was going through that noggin at that moment, you, you guys think? It's how you just reacted. It's how the people in your life will react. When God is doing what it takes for the miracle, what are you saying? This man was blind. And what he was trying to do with this man is give him his DNA. What? I, I don't understand. He's trying to teach us a lesson. But did I like just not have enough information or, or I don't know, dude. I don't know. This pastor is actually very influential and very charismatic and good at coming up with analogies and ideas. Quit it, Kitty. Uh, good at coming up with analogies and ideas to make a point uh, to his audience. And that's why he's got, I think, millions of subbies on TikTok. It's, he's very, very good. Uh, that one was obviously crossing a line. That was entirely too much. So you're welcome for blurring that out. I hope I blurred enough. Even the, the audio is a little too much, but... Anyways, his audience did not like that one, so he had to come out and apologize for it. Listen to this. Late January 2022, this is just, I think, a day or two after he did that on stage 
he came out with this clip, this apology to his audience. Check it out. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I hope you're having an amazing Monday. I just want to acknowledge uh, what happened yesterday when the spit hit the fan. I watched it back and... That's good. The spit hit the fan. I like that. I watched it back and um, it was disgusting. <laughs> like, that was gross. You know, he didn't even have to go all out. He could have just, like, licked his finger and, you know, rubbed it on someone's face or something. Why did he have to go all out, first of all? And second of all, here's my real problem. I wish instead of like doing the spit in the eyes thing, I wish Jesus had made out with the guy. If he had just made out with the guy, we would be in a totally different place as a society, right? Pastors would be going out kissing dudes all over the place trying to heal them. I th it would be a better place to live, honestly, in my opinion. I think the United States would be better if pastors were making out with dudes instead of rubbing spit in their face. I wanna validate everybody's feelings um, that that was a distraction to what I was really trying to do. I was really trying to make the word come alive and for people to see the story. But yesterday it got too live and I own that. And um, I just wanna make sure people know that we wanna help people. We want people to see Jesus. We want people to feel loved. We want people who are desperate to be able to find hope and I'm passionate about that so much so that I try to do extreme things to help people get it. And yesterday it crossed the line. So, well, you know, I, I got to give him credit. At least he recognizes that it crossed a line. He drove over the line and just kept on going for like 20 more miles, though. I, I feel like crossing the line is a little bit of an understatement. But like I said, at least he recognizes what he did was the wrong way to do it. I love you guys. I appreciate everybody that's been praying for us and sending us messages. And to anybody who just saw that three minute clip, I really encourage you to go back and watch the whole message. There's some truth and some life in there that could potentially change your whole life. Um, when Jesus uh, spit on that man, he was blind and then he could see. Doubt it. Deeply doubt it. I'm sorry. I don't. There's no evidence of that at all. There's no evidence that Jesus performed any miracles that actually accomplished anything. There's no proof that he walked on water, no proof of any of that. But you know what? I digress. Let's keep listening. For my brother, who I love and uh, honor so much, I just called him. He was bald before I spit on him, and he's still bald today. So no miracle here. And uh, so next time I'll rethink and do something differently. Okay. Honorable. Honorable. I, honestly, I have to say I'm glad that this guy came out and apologized for it because a lot of the people that are coming out and making all these bizarre claims, like, for example, Greg Stevens or Kenneth Copeland, they're not coming out and apologizing. Kenneth Copeland actually did come out and apologize for being a Creeposaurus Rex when he laughed about Joe Biden, you know, winning the presidency, claimed that it was ridiculous and he wasn't going to believe it until blah, 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 whatever. The media said what? <laughs> the media said Joe Biden's president. And people were really upset with him over that, like his audience was. So he actually came out and apologized for that. For those that might have the idea that I hate Joe Biden, I do not. Should it be necessary, I apologize if that came across that way. But 
You know, he never did apologize for pushing that guy over in a wheelchair. Glory to God, you're not bound to this chair. The day will come, you'll walk out of it. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He never did apologize for supposedly punching some dude in the stomach. And the Lord said, you see that man right there? I said, yes. He said, I want you to hit him in the stomach just as hard as you can. So when he got up there in front of me, I mean, I just unloaded on him. And man, it knocked him backwards and come on and he went, my God, he said, I'm healed. <laughs> now we've had an opportunity to see how an audience actually reacts when you spit on somebody. With that context in mind, listen to what Greg Stevens said to Kenneth Copeland one more time. I heard the Lord say, uh, I'll heal people with eye problems right now. And I, as I was going down to pray for people, all of a sudden I heard in my spirit, spit in her eyes. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And I spit in my hands and laid them on her eyes. She screamed a scream and came up. I didn't know she was blind in an eye. Came up seeing in that eye. Praise God. I, I feel it's obvious to everybody at this point that that really didn't happen. I'm pretty confident that he's completely full of spit. This is an interesting super chat. Let me get this in real fast. This is from Ivana Dragmeyer. Jesus didn't even spit on the guy in the Bible. He mixed his spit with the dirt and rubbed that on the blind man's eyes. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, I haven't even read the verse in forever. That's why I didn't even pick up on that. But good point. Adam Broughton. Wasn't there a Bible story where Jesus spit in the ground and rubbed it in a guy's eye? The Bible totally portrays Jesus like a faith healer. Yeah, that's uh, fair enough. You're right. It, it kind of does. But we know faith healing is fake. At the very least, we know it's fake when anybody but Jesus does it. At, at the bare minimum, we know that. Because we have science. We can measure the effects. We can send Kenneth Copeland into a hospital to heal people and see it doesn't do anything for anybody. It doesn't help anyone but they continue to pretend that it does. Even worse, they do that leg-lengthening trick. I mean, they use real trickery to fool people into thinking that they're doing something. It's disturbing stuff, seriously. Next, we're going to talk about Pastor Tony Spell's warped view of society. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. You guys remember Tony Spell? He got famous during the pandemic, not for refusing to shut down his church, but for being a general pain in the ass for absolutely no reason. He's back in the news, so I wanted to cover his history a little bit, give you a little bit of a refresher on who he is and what he did to kind of get famous, and then talk about some of the more recent things that he's said. This one is from early August 2021. This clip is, this is him explaining his position on lockdowns. We have not complied in 18 months, nor will we comply with the next round of shutdowns. I think it's weird that he's talking about like shutdowns right now. He threw an absolute fit over having to go to Zoom, like Zoom church services for 30 days in the very early days of the pandemic. He threw a fit over that, absolutely refused. 
In fact, not only did the guy refuse to lock down, refuse to hold services on Zoom, he intentionally took extra steps to make things even worse by refusing to social distance, by refusing to keep six feet between people, refusing to hold service outside, refusing to take temperatures at the door. He intentionally, seemingly, made things worse for him and his church and the people where he lives instead of just following basic guidelines, basic safety precautions. He made things worse intentionally, it seems to me. So now, 18 months after the pandemic had started, like I said, this is August 2021, he's throwing another fit at the possibility of another lockdown. Of course, we didn't have a lockdown after August 2021, I don't believe. But keep listening to the clip and see what else he says here. Mask mandates. Vaccine mandates. Ahab looks at Elijah and says, you're the one troubling Israel? No. Elijah is in God's favor. He's God's prophet. He's doing what God told him to do. We are not the ones who are troubling our cities. Uh, yes, you are. You could have taken super basic precautions to make everyone's lives better. Instead, you refused. You, you wouldn't even wear masks. You wouldn't even social distance. You wouldn't even hold services outside. You wouldn't hold them on Zoom for like 30 days. You wouldn't help society in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, you are the ones troubling society, actually. It's the devil troubling us. It's a wicked, perverse government troubling us because we refuse to mask and we refuse to vax or we refuse to quit going to church or we refuse to... Well, look, nobody was forcing you to vaccinate. That was never on the table. No one is forcing you to quit going to church. No one ever tried to do that. All we asked is that you do it online instead of in person or outside, one or the other. You refuse to do it outside. Shall we refuse to... Quit shaking hands. That'd be fantastic, too. And baptizing over a thousand people. You want to baptize people, whatever. I don't even care. Just try to do it safely. He wouldn't even do it safely. He wasn't even going to try. He wanted to do everything in the most dangerous way possible. So that was Tony Spell. That's, that's who the guy was. That's how he's felt. And he really made a name for himself in the middle of the pandemic, or really at the very beginning of it. When he started protesting and all this other stuff, right? So you know what? He's going to protest. We're going to protest. A guy actually went out there to his church and held a protest sign. Uh, that's freedom, baby, right? You have the freedom to go out there and protest just like we do. So this dude goes out there and he's protesting Tony Spell's church. And Tony Spell sees it and he gets upset. Well, suddenly Tony Spell isn't so pro-freedom, is he? Suddenly he's just pro his own beliefs and has absolutely no principles seemingly. Watch what happens when this guy goes to Tony Spell's church to protest. This is AP News footage. He just pulled as far over under the shoulder as he could without hitting me. He was maybe six inches away. So, And that happened nearly instantaneously. It was just suddenly there's a guy driving 45 miles an hour a few inches from you. That wasn't the only time that Tony Spell came after this protester either. He did it a second time in a school bus. Watch. At first, I just assumed he was actually trying to turn around his bus. He kept hammering his horn the whole time until he turned around in his driveway. Then he stopped, 
and started backing up at me. By the time it was actually close enough to hit me, I was just kind of in shock. So on two separate occasions for the audio audience who are not watching physically, Tony Spell had a protester outside of his church, you know, trying to get him to lock down or hold services on Zoom or even outside or whatever. Stop shaking hands, wear masks, anything at all, please, anything is what this protester was trying to get him to do. And instead of doing absolutely anything, he uh, assaulted the protester. He backed a school bus up toward him. He was clearly out of view by the time he stopped the bus. He drove his car right into the protester and tried to at least scare the guy or maybe veered away at the last second because he decided not to. I mean, I don't know what was going through Tony Spell's head at this moment, but this is clearly a crime, right? I don't think the pastor could see me anymore, so I don't think it was necessarily intent to not hit me as much as it might have been luck. When the bus stops is about the time I fully realize what's going on. And the courts decided that it was luck that he didn't hit the protester and not intent also, because guess what happened shortly after? I, I, I turned the audio down, I, double I, I did double speed for this. Tony Spell walking with his Bible. He sees cops coming. He says, wait a second, wait a second. He's walking the other direction. He says, hold on. The cop's coming for him. They arrested him for assaulting the protester. For the videos that we just saw, they arrested Tony Spell. <sighs> Glorious, dude. Glorious. Absolutely love it. He deserved it. He assaulted somebody. You can't do that in society. You have a right to protest, and so do I. You can't threaten me, try to force me to stop by driving inches away from me or, or backing a bus up toward me. You simply can't do that. So, yeah, they arrested Tony Spell. This is April 21st, 2020, 2021, I believe. April 21st, 2021, I think. Yeah, April 21st, 2020. Okay, I'm sorry. This was April 21st, 2020. So it was only a couple months after the pandemic really started or, or after we started, you know, taking it seriously here in the U.S. Dude doesn't seem to understand, though, that the government shouldn't enforce morality. Listen to this clip. This is mid-January 2022. Reasonably new. Check it out. There ought to be anger that rises up in us whenever the Secretary of Transportation who is the forerunner to be the president of the... I think he's talking about uh, Pete Buttigieg right now. The forerunner to be the president of the United States in 2024. No, I haven't heard a word about Pete Buttigieg like running for office in 2024, but okay, I guess it's a little thing. Let's continue. Well, the Democratic Party came off of a two-month maternal leave no paternity leave paternity leave with a p people take paternity leave came off of a two-month maternal leave it was not a woman but it was a man that is married to a man there ought to be anger inside of everybody here today that says something's wrong with our world something is wrong with people that can stand idly by and accept this as normal and his status quo. You know, the, my real issue here is that 
he's trying to enforce morality is what he's doing. He's trying to get the government to enforce morality, his morality specifically, not mine, not Ilhan Omar's, nobody's but his, because he believes that his is superior. See, that's the problem. When you live in a country made up of 300 million people of all different races and religions and backgrounds of all sorts, the government isn't capable of representing everybody. So you know what the government's job is to do, really? It's not to represent everybody's morality. The government's job is to make sure that everybody has a certain set of basic human rights and protect those rights. Government's job is not to decide whether or not it's wrong to murder. It has nothing to do with right or wrong. The government's job is to define our rights. We have a right to life. That's listed, right? So the government is responsible for protecting my right to life. It doesn't punish somebody for murdering me. It punishes somebody for taking away my right to life. There's a distinct difference there. And Tony Spell doesn't seem to understand that difference. Dude seems to think that the, the government should be legislating morality, regulating morality, and it should be his, of course, his morality, because he's the most important. This is called Christian supremacism, the belief that your morality, your way of life, your culture is the best and should be supreme, should be enforced by the government. That's Tony Spell's headspace. When he doesn't get what he wants on that front, when he feels that the government is not enforcing his morality as he wants it to, he gets upset. He lost some lawsuits a little while back, and he got really, really upset at the judges, so he calls them out by name in his sermon. Listen to this. Any government is not built on the shoulders of Jesus Christ, that government is headed for a fall. It is impossible to govern a nation without God in the Bible. That's really weird because uh, China seems to be governing a nation just fine. Taiwan seems to be governing a nation. Australia's governing a nation. None of those governments are blatantly Christian. I know Australia has some Christianity mixed in there somewhere, but those governments are not Christian. Canada does not have a Christian government. There are a billion countries out there that don't have Christian governments that seem to be doing just fine. I'm really not picking up what you're putting down here, Tony. Headed for a fall. It is impossible to govern a nation without God in the Bible. It is impossible for our Constitution to work in a nation that is not holy and righteously consecrated unto God. Our Constitution... I feel like he's just speaking nonsense right now. Like, the words that are coming out of his mouth, I guess, go together technically. Like, they can sit next to each other, and it's not a grammatical nightmare. But I don't think that it, the sentence adds up to anything substantive. Created unto God. Our Constitution was created for a moral and a religious people. No. No, it wasn't. You, you're completely misunderstanding how this works, Tony. The Constitution was not about morality at all. The Constitution was supposed to define our basic human rights and what the government will protect. And now the government's job is to make sure that we have those rights. You have the right to swing your fist anywhere you want, except for right here. You can't swing it right here. Matter of fact, I think you got in trouble for that a little, a little while back, didn't you, Tony? I seem to remember watching you get arrested for violating somebody's personal space and making them feel threatened. He doesn't get it. It's not 
like sinking in. He's not processing the fact that the government shouldn't be involved in morality. And a religious people, it is wholly inadequate in the government of any other. It is wholly inadequate in the government of any other. What? These words technically go next to each other, but they don't add up to anything. What are you even saying right now, Tony? And I know some of you, I've heard you tell me time and time again that we get uncomfortable when you talk about our government. We get afraid when you call out our government. Well, don't you worry, I hadn't got started real good as of yet. I just want you to know tonight that we have a wicked government that is ruling our world today. Yeah. Yeah, so he's leaning into the persecution complex. That's completely expected, honestly. This is the kind of thing that I see coming out of extremist Christian churches all the time. Let me find something. Steven Anderson. It's kind of risky to play a Steven Anderson clip without, you know, going through and, and checking it before playing it. Um, in fact, I think that the, maybe I shouldn't play this one right now. I'll just play a few seconds of it. I won't play the whole thing. Because I, I, I think I know that he does actually say a word that I really don't want on my channel. Honestly, I think Steven Anderson, of all people, understands exactly where Christianity stands in the U.S. right now. This is seemingly better than any of these pastors, including Tony Spell. Listen to what Steven Anderson here says about persecution of Christians in the U.S. You know what I know is that today... I can get up and preach the word of God today and nobody's here to stop me. I can get up and thunder forth the word of God and scream and yell the truths of scripture. I'm so nervous about playing this video because I know he says a word that I don't want on my channel. The truths of scripture as loud as I want and broadcast it all over the internet to the whole world. And you know what? Nobody's here to stop me, are they? So that's all that matters. Yeah, but what about next week? What if Biden gets a second term? <laughs> you see what I mean? It's just stupid to just worry about stuff that never even happens. I mean, I remember when, when Obama got elected, it was supposed to be the end of the world, too. That's a good point. It's an absolutely good point, Steven Anderson. I can't believe I'm saying that. Th those words, I never thought they'd come out of my mouth. Christians are not persecuted in the United States. If you hear people like Tony Spell talking about how persecuted he is, it's because he's trying to get more donations from his audience and nothing more. When they don't think anybody's listening, like Steven Anderson didn't think anyone was listening just now, they come out and say it. They're honest about it. They know full well they aren't persecuted in the U.S. Claiming they're persecuted is obnoxious and ridiculous. Anyway, let's keep listening to Tony Spell talk about how persecuted he is as a Christian, as a Christian evangelical in the U.S. You to know tonight uh, that when three Republican judges uh, sum up a writ of denial on May the 25th uh, and said uh, that we do not believe that the relator Pastor Tony Spell's free exercise of religion uh, lies outside of the jurisdiction of government's authority. When they say that, uh, they are saying in no uncertain terms uh, that we do not believe the First Amendment uh, of the United States Constitution. Uh, and I just want to serve notice to you, three Republican judges, Mitch Terrio, Elizabeth Wolf, and Chris Hester, that you are a godless judge. You have no right to sit on the seat in the United States of America and rule against Christians in America. Okay, he's getting worked up here. 
You hear what he said? You are a godless judge, and that means that you have no right to serve as a judge. If you're godless, then you shouldn't be a judge. There is like a disturbing level of hatred and bigotry against atheists in the U.S. And tell us that we don't have a free exercise of religion. Not only are you against God, but God is against you. Because when you come against God's people, you come against God himself. Isn't it interesting how he basically conflated himself with God in this analogy? When you come against me, you're coming against God, is basically what he's saying. Problem is, who's to say if you have the correct interpretation of the Bible? Your interpretation is just as correct as any other. On this point about persecution and everything, I just have to point out, there are actually, truly persecuted Christians in the Middle East, in Russia, and in other places actually persecuted Christians, like really, people who have to hide their beliefs from government and from the people around them, people who can't practice in peace, and if they're caught, they are at real risk of being seriously hurt. Really disturbing stuff. Hurt or jailed for the rest of their lives. It is truly disturbing stuff, and when you claim to be persecuted in the U.S. as an evangelical, I am offended on behalf of those Christians who are truly suffering in other parts of the world. Really, it's disgusting. A new clip came out recently, mid-April 2022. This is, once again, Tony Spell showing us that he doesn't understand what separation of church and state is. Listen to this. The past 24 months has been a spiritual battle. <laughs> we have been invaded from hell itself to destroy the greatest nation on earth. And where did they start? They started with the churches. Let's close the churches. Let's silence the voices of the prophets. And, and, and it should be in the United States of America, the prophet, the priests, the prince, and the people. Isaiah talks about that. There is a divine order. God says, I wanna to speak to my prophet. He's gonna to speak to my priests. And then the princes, that's governing bodies, and then the people. Well, today, everything is upside down. You have the people controlling the government, the government controlling the priests who have silenced the prophets. America's in trouble today. America's in trouble with God. Wow, dude. This guy genuinely does not understand what separation of church and state is, what persecution is, and why it's important to keep the government and religion separate. He really does not understand. He wants the prophets to inform the priests who inform the government, who inform the people. That is so many levels of bizarre. As a bonus, let's take a look at this next clip from him. He had even more bizarre stuff to say about Joe Biden. Listen, I baptized some people from Washington Devil City. They happened to be very close to the president. They said, Pastor, this president is not suffering dementia, and, and, and he's not in a geritol stage. He is possessed. Okay, first of all, Biden is not suffering from dementia anyways. All the clips that you've seen of him, like, stuttering or messing up his words or, or whatever else— a lot of those were fake. A couple of them were real because the guy's had a stutter since he was a little kid and stutters don't go away. He's done a fantastic job of uh, mitigating his stutter. 
I mean, amazing job. I hear it's really, really hard to conquer a stutter. But uh, yeah, a lot of that stuff was faked. It was edited, modified to make it look even worse than it was. And this guy fell for it. And he's not in a Geritol stage. He is possessed with the devil. When, when you see him where he can't speak properly and can't pronounce words, we laugh at that. But we are actually invaded from hell itself mm -hmm. in the executive branch of the United States of America. Oh, yeah. We're in spiritual warfare. Telling you guys, at this point, Trump has become a new savior figure, a new messiah figure. At this point, the evangelical movement views this as a spiritual battle of good and evil, and Donald Trump is basically like the god in this situation, the ultimate good that's going to come in and save us. Absolutely blows my mind how we got to this point in this country. This isn't the only conspiracy theory this guy's spread either, though. It was on Alex Jones's show a while back. I decided not to add that clip in because he says all kinds of ridiculous stuff about vaccines and stuff like that. But yeah, he went on Alex Jones's show. Same background he had a minute ago and everything. I mean, you guys can see it on screen if you're watching, but yeah, it was, it was just a bunch of vaccine conspiracy nonsense as usual and mixing religion in with it and everything. This guy is toxic to democracy and toxic to the separation of church and state, toxic to society in a lot of ways, which I think society is recognized to some degree, which is why he got arrested for it. But anyways, yeah, we definitely have to address stuff like this. We've got to do something about this, man. It's a problem. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.